0: What is up everyone? Welcome into episode 61 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from MikeSlusons.com and my co-host will be joining us shortly as Mr. Mike Dawson, managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. In this week's episode, we'll give you guys a little recommended listening. In our educational section, we're going to talk about what makes a drum solo enjoyable for both Mike and myself. Our featured artist this time is none other than Will Calhoun. In our gear review section, Mike will be checking out the CRX stackers. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions. And as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. And make sure that you listen to the entire podcast so you can learn about how to be part of our upcoming giveaway. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Our snaps are getting closer even with Skype's delay. We're able to predict it. We're we're becoming a nice solid rhythm section. How are you, bud? I'm doing good. It's been a really busy week, so it's been a bad
1: week for my drumming, but you know, whatever. It is what it is. A lot more teaching. Which is cool. It kinda of keeps me yeah. on my toes. But that's great. I'm man. starting to get worried at my You know, because as soon as I remember Shannon Forrest was talking about atrophy and he was referring to atrophy setting in pretty quickly. And I'm like, man, I know I don't even want to think about what I'm losing in a week of not actual maintenance practice. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. That's
0: what being an adult is all about. That's why it's better to practice when you're young, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you and I both have the situation where we could spend upwards of six hours a day on the drums and not practice a single note because it's our job and so whether you're teaching and I'm teaching or you're reviewing products or I'm making new videos for a website or even for other companies that I play for I don't consider that I'm improving at the instrument so it's you know I mean I would assume if somebody came here out of nowhere and they're like so you're on a drum set six hours a day how are you not so much better and it's like well none of it's practice it's my job you know and It's stuff I can already do, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get there too, because now we're coming up to the end of my camp season. So that means it's time. I have a, uh, drum festival coming up in Mexico city. Uh, I know I'm going to Singapore for a, a run of clinic dates pretty soon. So now it's now it's all all of a sudden it's like okay cool you had your time off you must be amazing it's like no 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 that time off was more work than my time on like, yeah I haven't practiced at all <laughs> so yeah I, I actually started practicing last night uh, and and part of my practice and I don't know if you go through this because you you have so many gigs so you don't maybe have to concern yourself with this as much as I do since I have to play by myself in these things but part of it is remembering who I wanted to be as a drummer you know yeah I uh, bet yeah a lot of mine is is putting on
1: different outfits and having to become a character so which is still i think it's a mode of expression i mean it's like i feel like can i get in the the mindset of chris McHugh when i do these country gigs can i play right. just like him big beats nothing too flashy super solid and that right. you know I, I enjoy that i think that's kind of who i am as an artist it's just a, an ability to to take gigs quickly
0: and f- and make the music sound natural Without much preparation, well, and once you know who you are, then other people around you know who you are, and they hire you for that specific reason. Yeah, uh, yeah and they can. There's they definitely can even no use, licks or even sounds that I would say that is associated with me, for better well, or worse. Like you said, you're a chameleon, and that's your job, and that's what you're going yeah. for. Uh, so for me, it's it's definitely. I sat down last night for a good hour, just trying to remember. Okay, what who. What am I trying to do again, and <laughs> yeah. and what do I like about my playing, and what do I wish was better so that I can improve it? And I actually uh, called my wife Amber and just said, "Hey, I got to get out of here. I'm, I'm spinning my wheels. Let's meet at the dog park." And I just needed to like kind of refresh the brain. And I said, I- "I'll come home, and I need to make a drumming. Uh, I call it my todo list, just because I think I've told you in the past. But when I downloaded my first app that was to keep track of things." They didn't put a space, so I thought the app was called Toto. I didn't know it was To Do List. Uh, that's amazing. And, and, so, <laughs> <laughs> and Amber's the one that brought it up. And she's like, why do you always call it your Toto List? And I'm like, well, the, the app's called Toto. And then she looked, and she goes, I think it's To Do. And I was huh? like, "And oh, that's my blonde moment for the week. So I still call it my Toto List. But uh, anyway, so I said, you know, I need to step away from the drum set, watch some videos of my favorite drummers, And create a list of things I want to practice away from the drum set, and then I'll go back to work, I'll see my drum set, and I'll just tackle it. But I can't... Sometimes I just sit on the kit, and I just spin my wheels for hours, man, playing the same stuff I've always played. What are you working on? Uh, Right now, oddly enough, I realized I don't have a lot of freedom over the straightened version of the jazz ride pattern. So just one, and a two, and a three. And so I was... Uh, I think I stumbled upon a Benny Greb solo thing, and he was going ding, ch- ding, chicka, ding, chicka, ding, and the the conversation between kick and snare was really interesting. And it just that was like the inspiration of like, oh, I haven't practiced that in a long time. Without it being a world grooves thing, it yeah. was set in stone. But I haven't yeah. practiced the freedom of it, really jazz comping in straight form. Yeah. And uh, so I went to the kit to do it, and it was <laughs> it needed some help. <laughs> Man, that's funny. <laughs> so, that's actually when I just sit down to just
1: kind of let go and release that's usually the type of groove i go into really because it's kind of a it's it allows me to get into the jazz mindset without having to play
0: triplets and derivative figures from the past yeah and i noticed that it's i think i'm actually going to come up with quite a few independence exercises based off of it because i started thinking okay I've, i've i've got my freedom but my freedom is based off of the things that are easy for me to do so I'm going to have to take myself out of it. And I, I went through all of my groupings, uh, odd groupings and stuff, threes, fives, and sevens. And then I just thought, you know what I can't do is I can't have a consistent conversation of 16th notes between my my left hand and my right foot while going ding, a ding And yeah. I think I had left foot in straight eights. And so I said, okay, let me try paradiddles. And I was able to do that, which to me is showing off my time with Uh, Jim Chapin's book, because Mm -hmm. he's got, uh, even though I was swinging it, and then I did paradiddles starting with the foot instead of the hand, fine, and then as soon as I went to just inverted double strokes, so left, kick, kick, left, left, kick, kick, it was game over. Mm. And I was like, wow, there's all these groupings of four, like probably inverted paradiddles and inverted double strokes that I don't have command over in consistent 16th notes. I have much, much more of a comping... Kind of thing you know get a doom doom get goom goom it's just this call and response, but I can't have consistent conversation in sixteenth notes, so I slowed it down, and that 's what i'm starting take it, yeah, and I'm, i I love practicing things, and maybe you feel the same, i don't know if you do, but I love practicing things like that that are set in stone practice things, maybe something like inverted paradigms between my hands and my foot while playing that ostinato with the ride, but it's related to where I want to go with my art yeah so it's it's like i want to practice this i don't have to i want to it's it's going to unlock a door for me you know two weeks from now or two months from now or two years from now on stage somewhere and i'm really excited about that yeah i did uh the other day actually it was i tried to video it but
1: i realized my card was full after i'd done was done but i had to play a really loud rock gig on saturday so i had no time on the kit to kind of for the whole week to get my body prepared for that and that's the gig where it, you know my hands blow up and everything happens. Yeah. So I just went down to my kit like an hour before the gig and just put the metronome on a click, you know, a few clicks faster than it's comfortable for me, and mm-hmm. just played loud sextuplets around the kit, really, as just aggressively and nonstop as I could. It actually was a lot of fun, and I and I I realized some th- certain things just I hadn't focused on a, in that style because that I've done a lot of that constant triplet thing in a jazz style. Sure. So it's a lighter touch. And so doing like the syncopation figures, like accident on the crash and the kick right. while filling in the triplets on the snare at a really loud dynamic is a whole new challenge.
0: Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. And it kind of tripped me up. But uh, it was super fun. I had the uh my acrylic kit with the drum lights just going crazy. I was yeah. like, this will be a pretty funny video that'll be so opposite of anything I've ever done but in public. And right. of course the card was full and it's gone. And I'm, not, hey. I'm never going to do it again because it was just so stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it got you prepared. How was the gig, by the way?
1: It was good. My hands didn't blow up, you know, and I used the um, I used the ProMark active grip sticks, which I think I mentioned uh-huh. a few weeks ago. Yep. And when I played an outdoor gig in the hot sun, they got kind of slippery because my hands got super sweaty. This was an indoor, not hot gig but still i mean you still sweat cuz i'm hitting basically as hard as i possibly can and sure. they were great i mean they my i felt super comfortable they weren't rubbing i didn't feel like i was losing my grip i could hold them very loosely so no blisters or anything like that nice the paint definitely chips away um or when you hit really? the, the crashes and stuff but it didn't it didn't leave any marks on the cymbals or drums but they just look ugly after you know an hour of playing cuz yeah, sure. all chipped up but yeah, it was a fun gig. I mean it was you know it was
0: it's nice to just go out and just wail for an hour. Dude, great. That's awesome, man. That's, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you just gotta do that.
1: You just gotta yeah. hit
0: things. Yeah. yeah, well, uh I had I had an incredible camp last week where I got to see a few people wail and blast my drum set to smithereens. But uh Did those prototype had, heads hold up? They did actually. Uh I had five and five. So uh five mil, like two five mil uh which is A total of four mil thinner than your average two-ply Evans Remo Aquarian head. Uh, And they held up. um, I think where I'm at with it right now, and I would have to go back down to Aquarian to do some more work if I want to move forward with this, is the, the, the combination I liked the most was a five and a seven. And it had less grit in the coating. I liked it 20% more than what they already offer. Uh, to me, that's yeah. pointless. Yep. I don't want to be a part of a product that isn't changing the game. I don't want to be a product part of a product that doesn't make a bold statement. That's I love being part of things where it's like this didn't exist until right now. But to be like this is slightly better. You know, it's yeah, like well then, that's hard to sell. I, yeah, and and I just don't want to be a part of something like that because it's like uh, you know, if you can't hear the difference, it's like Eh, I don't. I don't. I don't really. So I don't know where it goes from here. Um, it might be just more of like, eh, well, let me EQ things a little different. One thing I did notice is that muffling my drums with gels like Vader Buzzkills or Moon gels, it does add to the the warmth. Even though there's more, what you have, you and I have talked about this. There's more attack because the tone is shorter, right? But it makes it muddier. It's yeah. not as clicky. So I think the key might be not doing that to my top heads as much, but muffling down my bottom heads even more, mm. um, and maybe going to a single ply coated on the bottom. Maybe even try some other combinations. But either way, I, I it's hard because I'm stuck in the same room all the time, and I might get that perfect thing, and then as soon as I move to a different room, it's like, oh, well, this is horrible yeah, for this room. Exactly. I, I, so uh, unless I have more research behind it, I don't want to commit to anything. But uh, the, the prototype heads totally held up and everyone really enjoyed them. So, all right, well, let's move on into some recommended listening. I'm hoping that you and I can make this a more frequent topic on the show, because I think it's great to hear what you listen to. And and I'm I'm more than happy to share the things that I listen to. I always tell my students when they just say, hey, uh, can I go through your iTunes real quick? And I always say, you're more than welcome to, but I will give you a dollar if you can find something that's been on the radio. Like I have <laughs> yeah. the oddest taste in music. I, I happen to be one of those people that loves the bands that influenced the bands that made it. Mm-hmm. So if if everyone likes Muse, I like Soul Wax. And Soul okay. Wax, you know, was the band that made all the music that Muse must have <laughs> borrowed it from. And, you know, and I loved sensefield and and all all the emo bands that led to that whole scene exploding mm-hmm. um, so so anyways so that being said we wanted to show you guys one song per so my song is not really something from my past it's it's actually pretty current i would say let me pull it up i think this came out maybe I don't have it in front of me, but probably four years ago. Maybe you actually know, but it's from Benny Greb's Brass Band album. Mm-hmm. The song is called Hot Dog, and it there's a lot of reasons to listen to this. One, I, I don't know this for sure. I've never asked Benny, but I'm pretty sure he gaffed the hell out of his cymbals. The cymbals sound completely muted, so I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of gaff tape going on. So the tone is really cool, but there is a flat-out metronome going on between his kick and snare that is really, really cool to hear. It's very it's it's fun because it's a brass band, but it has that Steve Jordan feel where the kick and the snare are so equidistant it's just impeccable and i'm sure he played to a click and everything but still even it's it's the volume between the two it's the consistency there's just this distance that's amazing there's one lick in the entire song mm-hmm. so it's not a drum track it's a feel track it's it's very much sort of like a steve jordan thing but it's not what you would expect out of benny it's just it's almost like a little brass pop tune now have you listened to that album i mean i'm sure you've heard a couple tracks cuz he played one at the modern drummer festival yeah, and I don't recall that track in particular, but I I studied his stuff when I was, you know, preparing for his
1: cover story a while back. Okay. But I don't remember that track, so I definitely have to dig it back out.
0: It's it's pretty cool, man. It'll it'll give you drumming-wise, it's like I don't know how to explain it. It's really cool cuz it's got this Steve Gadd, Steve Jordan thing happening, meaning that it's as hip and sneaky as Steve Gadd playing with Paul Simon or something where you're like, "Whoa, that was some hip drumming." Yeah. But it's as simple sometimes as Steve Jordan, but it's really – like tonality-wise, the second you hear it, you're like, that's Benny Grab," And that is something that I've talked to Benny about in the past. I've talked to Russ Miller. I've talked to quite a few people about – and I think I, I think it was alerted to me or it came to my attention from Buddy Rich when he said – I can't tell you who's on any of these albums anymore. Right. It's the same sound. It's the same everything. And so, and that was, I mean, got that video came out from Buddy. Uh, it was his full-length videotape, but that came out decades ago. And from that moment on, I was always trying to listen. Can I tell? And, and I think maybe that's where I got into Matt Chamberlain. Like, yes, yep. I know that's Matt Chamberlain. Well, Benny has that happening on this album. Where even though it's his album, the second you hear it, you'll go, "Yeah, that's Benny Grubb." There's there's no one else that would sound just like that, and uh, that's a that's a statement. So let's uh, let's give it a quick listen.
1: Well, speaking of Steve Jordan, I'm going to pick a Steve Jordan track.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> I've had a few people uh actually it, it mentioned to me that you know they hear a lot about Steve Jordan but they just they're not familiar with his playing. So and it it kind of makes sense because a lot of his the the bulk of his recording work was done in the 80s or so. So some of that stuff it's just it's kind of snuck by. But in recent years he kind of got a resurgence with John Mayer and he's on a lot of stuff you wouldn't know as well, Sheryl Crow and things like that. But there's a John Mayer track that I think is the it has everything about Steve Jordan in one song and it's called Assassin. It's mm-hmm. off the album Battle yep. Studies. And what is the there's there's clearly two drum kits on the track. So the verses are a tight small kit which is kind of what we think of Steve Jordan, really cracky poppy snare, probably a 12-inch Brady or something like that. A real tight punchy bass drum and slinky snare jump stuff so the first part is is super funky and he just plays a part there's really no fills And okay. but when the chorus comes in it's the big bombastic open probably two mic you know big ludwig kit no muffling just steam you know just blows you away with just the the power of it and it's kind of a looser groove so those two just the fact that he thought of that just blows my mind because he's a producer, so it wasn't like someone else right. said, "Hey Steve, we're gonna do something different." No, it was his idea. It was his concoction, and I think it's some of the best sounds. It's definitely some of the best grooves. The emotion of switching from that tight to big bombastic kit is pretty staggering. The song itself is is lyrically a pretty pretty gnarly song uh, about basically this this playboy getting played by a woman that's the whole story <laughs> so and I think the drums convey those you know this, this kind of dichotomy in a perfect way so he's a storyteller his pocket is ridiculous his sounds are ridiculous his ideas are ridiculous so I think that is the track to check out Steve Jordan it's called uh, Assassin off of Battle Studies Should've turned around and left before the sun came up again The sun came up again
0: You know, one thing about doing the multiple kits per song is I was when I was in Scotland with Ash, he was telling me that he had just done a session where they hired, he had done a few songs, Steve Jordan had done a few songs. I can't remember what album it was. It definitely wasn't Adele, but it was some album that Steve Jordan had done a few of the tracks, Ash was doing a few of the tracks, and then they actually had Ash do the verses and Steve do the choruses. Nice. Yeah, and they just said they, they wanted Ash's super super tight tight pocket for the verses, and then they wanted a looser, in between the cracks, greasy feel for the choruses. And they happened to have Steve Jordan already record the song, and then they just said, "We want you to overdub the verses because we want your feel on the verses." What and I was a, like, what a cool idea! Please. Yeah, yeah, really cool. And and he, I mean, you could just tell he was like, "I'm on a track with Steve Jordan." <laughs> <laughs> it's like- Steve <laughs> so probably awesome. doesn't even know. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's you know when you said that a lot of people don't know his work, he was also working at a time where we didn't know that anyone did that work. It was like, well, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't know who plays drums for these random artists that have huge hit singles. And and Steve probably didn't even know who you know who what was going to be on the radio, what was going to be a hit. It's like, well, I have a session in New York tomorrow. Yeah. And exactly. You just go do it, and then you book your next session. So uh, that's just a different time. All right, let's get into a little bit of education. Now, a lot of people are in the midst of making their way through the Guitar Center Drum Off right now. I've already made my feelings of that contest painfully clear, uh, but I do think there are some huge benefits to it, and one of my the biggest benefits to that contest is the practice that you will get leading up to that contest. Will There's nothing that will compare to that level of pressure that you're going to put on yourself through fear. So I think that the practice leading up to it is great. I think the experience itself can be really great if you've ever been to any of the store uh not finals but just the store contest it's it's rough you just show up and there's a drum set on the floor there's a bunch of drummers that are going to compete against you staring at you and i mean for your nerves i just don't know what other gauntlet there is to go through so there are some real benefits and i, I definitely have quite a few students that i, I I tell them, you should do this. This is going to be great for you. What I don't want you to do is put any stock in whether you move on or not. That being said, a lot of people are going through the drum solo thing. You and I have talked about this in the past. So I wanted to talk in a different form instead of – actually, today's live lesson is how to create a drum solo. So instead of coming from that approach, which I'll do in an hour and a half, I wanted to talk – as fans of music what do what do we like in drum solos and what makes a great drum solo enjoyable for us so do you have things that you're looking for or do you just know it when it happens um, I think it comes comes at
1: me in a bunch of different ways it it literally comes down to is the drummer trying to make an emotional connection with the audience or is he just trying to show off okay I have I, I don't get impressed anymore by someone who just starts destroying the kid unless that's a really deliberate emotional intention okay so i've seen great drum solos you know i mean um think of the guys who've literally made me get chills and jump out of my seat that would be indugu chancellor who played like the billy jean beat for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. but it was so captivating and and so uh, inspiring uh who we'll talk about in a minute will will calhoun he did i saw him do a solo and he started out by making loops on a wave drum so it was just sounds i'd never heard before and when he played it was just so much energy uh glenn Kochi when he debuted his monkey chant that was i was hearing sounds coming out of, the, of a weird little drum set that i've never could imagine possible right. and he told such an amazing story i mean he he basically played like a an opera on the drums i mean there were characters and there was a battle and it was absolutely amazing I, so there's that and then when i see guys like weckl and Vinny just just wow me with just their their effortless ability on the kit without it relying on the chops thing they have right. all the chops but that's not their their point and benny greb is another one that he was just, he, he made a point to connect with the audience with what he was doing. So he'd give you yeah. something easy to understand at first, and then he would elaborate. He'd go to another scene and give you something easy to understand, and then he would elaborate and take it to another level. Um, and then, I, I mean, and then the opposite side of that, when I saw Ronner Bruner Jr. with Kenny Garrett it was like he was driving a freaking ferrari on stage it was like
0: it, <laughs> so was, true. it was just so much air
1: moving so fast i mean it yeah. was it was almost like well it was his point was he was trying to overwhelm your senses with just speed and dexterity and intensity yeah
0: it's actually i have a, when i watch ronald play i have a lot of anxiety and fear because I don't i it just seems like it's one step away from being out of control yeah yeah but it's always like that and he's always in control but I, I really feel I'm like I don't know what happens to a drumstick if it hits a rim at that speed right it can't stay in his hand so you know it's like it'll go through the wall if he lets go it'll kill someone I mean it's so it's it's so physical and it's just like oh my gosh and and I really feel like he must have had Billy Cobham and Dennis Chambers in his head as the benchmarks of what he had to surpass with power and speed. And then obviously the thing is he's doing things that the greatest drummers in the world would have a hard time doing. But he's doing them at a speed that most minds can't comprehend. Yeah, it's like beyond um, the the ability to hear what he's going doing. I mean, it's, it's when people say there's billions and billions and billions of stars just in our galaxy. And right. it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm already lost. died. I, <laughs> And then there's billions and billions of galaxies. I'm like, we're good. Yeah. My <laughs> yeah. my little tiny mind can't comprehend. Yeah.
1: So the simple answer for me is I just want to be moved emotionally. I don't want to be yeah. impressed. Like I'm not right. looking to be impressed. I want to be moved. I think you're
0: past that, right? I mean, you, you've you been a part of some of the – you've seen the greatest drummers in the world. And that's what I try to tell my students when they come here is I, look, I say, look, I am friends with some of the greatest drummers on the planet. Please do not come up here on my drum set and think that your speed is going to blow me away. Yeah, I've, I've done clinics with Chris Coleman. Like, you're not going to win this. <laughs> right? Now, if you play something really clean and you're really passionate about every note, that'll still blow me away to this day. Yeah. And I don't, even if it's at 42 BPM, but if you care about every note, that'll blow me away. Um, you know, one thing that I listen for in solos is I'm looking for, it can be obvious or it can be a little bit more hidden, but I'm definitely looking for some sort of anchor that a little bit of help. Like, what can I predict so that I can be a part of this journey with you? There are soloists where I feel like, like you said, they're just physically impressing me and I just have to sit back and soak it in because I can't be on the journey with them. Mm -hmm. And then I think with guys like Benny, JP Bouvet, even Weckl, I feel like there's a theme going on where it's like, okay, I'm, you know, it's not as obvious as maybe the Nathaniel Townsley solo where there was an anchor repetition, every two bars, you would hear this, But it's like something's holding this thing together, and that way when they depart from that theme, it really surprises you and and gives you an an emotional thing. The other thing that I really enjoy is when drummers are conscious of what they're playing, so they realize, you know what, we've been up here at this volume for quite a while. It's time to come back down. It's time to turn the volume down and give everyone a break and reset. I think Benny does that really well. Uh, I think that – one of my favorite drum solos of all time was Dave DiCenzo's Modern Drummer Solo. Yeah. Uh, and I thought he did that as well. He got up there to that chops level where you're like, okay, you're blazing fusion chops. And then he'd reset. And you almost had to like turn the volume on your TV back up because you're like, I can't hear anything. Yeah. And uh, so I like that stuff a lot. I really enjoy when I feel that the drummer is in the zone, but they have a second version of themselves that's producing the solo in the moment Mm -hmm. and that that some some higher being taps them on the shoulder and says hey you're you've been playing a lot of notes you might (laughs) want to bring it down for a second because you can't stay there the whole time i mean i think i've used this analogy before but like you said with the ferrari thing if you get in a ferrari and you go from zero to a hundred that journey is insane but once you're at 100, it only takes about five seconds until you're used to going 100 miles an hour. Right, yeah. So unless you hit the brakes and cause me to go into the dash and then step on the gas, like there's no journey for me. Yeah, uh, that's true. So I really enjoy the journey. I enjoy it when soloists see themselves as storytellers and they're taking you on a journey. The other thing that I really care about with solos is did, did you run out of gas or did you have an ending to your story? Uh, yeah, good point. Because sometimes it's just like I just man, we've been here for ten minutes and they just kind of stop, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, do do you not remember where you started? You started this thing with a theme. Why don't you end with that theme, or you know, end on your own? Even when I have students that do the drum off, I say, look, how long do you have? And they'll say, I have three minutes for my solo. And I'm like, okay, you are going to write. You're gonna your solo is going to be two minutes and thirty seconds because I don't want anyone tapping your shoulder telling you to stop and then you just kind of fade yeah, away that's terrible yeah <laughs> i hate that the most so. important note is the last note
1: i mean that's that's always the case in any story right. any any song yeah um, you know other, one other thing i really like is when like tain is really good at this um a lot of contemporary guys are really good at this where they maintain the intensity and the tension well beyond the threshold of when it should resolve Mm. They're not just yeah. playing fast notes and stuff, but they go to a point where you're like, okay, 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 okay. And they just go a little right. bit further. So when they finally resolve, you're like, oh, my gosh, that was like euphoric. Right. Brian, Brian yeah. Blade is good at that. Tain is really good at that where you think All right, he can't go any more intense. He can't go any higher. He just pushes it a little bit further. Right. I like that because, again, that's an emotional thing where it kind of pushes you beyond your expectations. It makes you a little uncomfortable. Yeah. and then when he finally
0: settles back in you're like ah oh, everyone can take a breath yeah i mean that's that's taking the audience on a journey yeah. i i remember when i decided that jp bouvet in my head was one of the great soloists that we have in our current generation i was we were in new jersey i can't remember the name of the shop but it's an incredible shop somewhere in jersey and or maybe God, I don't even know where the hell we were. It was on the east coast. You Russo? know that whole was it place. Russo? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like kind of downstairs. I mean, really cool shop. Yeah. So, anyways, we're at Russo Music, and um, and Matt and does his solo. Matt Halpern does his solo, and it was fantastic. And I did whatever I do, and then JP has his turn, and he starts off with just maybe I don't know if you're at a normal tempo, maybe thirty second notes on the ki- on double bass. But whisper quiet. So all, you never heard a note. The whole room just had this low-end hum. And he probably did that for like three minutes. It was like shocking how long he just had his head down, no sticks in his hand, and you he just heard. And Matt and I were just staring at each other like, this can't even be happening right now. Like, And then he would go. Like, and then with the volume, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my little yeah. brother's a freak. And then. And then you're just sitting there going like, grab the sticks, grab the <laughs> sticks. If that's what you can do with your feet, what the hell's gonna happen when you grab the sticks? And he grabbed the sticks, and it was just like, you know. And and maybe it wasn't his best solo of all time. I honestly don't remember, but the moment was the best where I just thought like, okay, this kid's a genius, man. And uh, that's what I want. I want to be on. I want to look over to my friends and be like, what the heck? Yeah. But. I know this, and I've—I I think you and I've talked about this before. I've been to that Sabian Live Night at NAM a few times, and when I go there, and they'll have JoJo Mayer playing, or Mark Juliana, or whoever, I've seen Chad Smith, Chris Dave. I'm always looking for the other pro drummers in the crowd, and I'm looking—I w- I watch them rather than watching the stage. I want to see what they think, and they're never going to be blown away by chops, just like you already said. They're never going to be blown away by licks, but they're always blown away by phrasing. They're always blown away by tension. And that storytelling thing, and that's – I think that that's what – I think that's what speaks to us as human beings rather than drummers. You're not – like I said, dude, I've done clinics with Thomas Lang. What are you going to do to impress me? I've seen it all. I've physically seen it all. (laughs) Now it's like – I didn't mean like that, Thomas. (laughs) I mean I've seen all the drumming that can be done. (laughs) All righty, then. <laughs> uh, I had a super backstage pass to the Thomas Lane <laughs> Clinic. No, I mean, I've, I've seen what can yeah. physically be done on this instrument. So now all you can do is impress the human side of me that's looking for tension, dynamic shifts, and, and call and response, and everything that would appeal to me as a non-drummer. Yeah, I mean, Art R- Blakey's a guy for me that, like, had, his chops were remedial at,
1: at best, but the dude could tell a story. I mean, he could tell a story by just playing a fast swing pattern and playing a couple quarter notes with the snare drum and bass drum, and that's that's the magic. And I and I think back in the day, guys understood that because it, there wasn't there wasn't music edu- education in the way that we have it now, where you like learn out of books and you learn this curriculum, and everyone's kind of chasing each other. It was just, can you go up there and and play something that means something? Right. And, they, and they knew it. I mean, he was would go so far as to when his when his horn players were noodling too much, he would just play so loud that they had to stop. You know, he just knew, like, dude, you're done. You're sad. I'm going to just crash the heck out of my ride cymbal. <laughs> you're, you're done. Sad. <laughs> oh, it's epic. But yeah, You've he's a good one, yourself. too. I mean, you can check out any yeah. of Blakey's solos with. There's one in particular, it's Roll Call on Hank Mobley's uh, Hank Mobley album, Roll Call. The solo is just him playing time and just playing really awesomely placed notes. Around the drums before he goes into the, you know, the typical triplets and stuff. Sure. So yeah, again, it's all you know, tell well, your story. Right? I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, a difficult drum solo doesn't mean anything. Who no. cares? I don't care if you have eight hundred pedals and you're playing seven over three over four over six. Right. If it if it sounds like someone dumped drums on a out of a speeding truck on a highway, right. Then who cares? Right. If yeah. It, no, I
0: mean. And, I mean, if you think about all the great drummers, they all have those, that same ability to do that. So now the only thing that can distinguish Weckle from Vinny, from Dennis, from Benny, is going to be your storytelling. Because it's like yeah. it, no one has any secret weapon chops. It's like, yeah, it's, you guys all have access to the same paradiddle. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? So very cool. Well, let's get into our featured artist. Uh, our featured artist is somebody that – Definitely, Mike and I have both talked about a lot in our past because he was part of our past, and so we're huge fans of this guy. His name is Will Calhoun, and Will is so much more than just the drummer from Living Color, but if you need a place to start, that's definitely where he popped on mine and Mike's radar, and the great thing about Will is he's still doing stuff, not only clinics and master classes. Uh, he's also got a, a jazz group, but he's also back with living color. So he's, uh, out on tour, I believe maybe in Europe, um, with living color this year, or he was this year. Let's see. Um, yeah, actually through December of this year, he'll be in Spain, France, Germany, all with uh living color. So, He's doing that, and he's got some new albums out that we can talk about in a second. So now, did you when Will played the Modern Drummer Festival? I don't remember what year that was, but it was it was one of the more recent ones. Yeah, um, I don't remember the year, but yeah. Did you get a chance to talk to him or hang with him at all?
1: Yeah, I actually, was uh, impromptu drum tech for him.
0: Oh no! Oh, I think you
1: mentioned that once. Okay, yeah, yeah. I got to tune up his his uh, left side bass drum, which. Was kind of funny because I, you know, I knew he liked it high, so I kind of tuned it up where I thought a bop drum would be, and he hit. And he's like, "Nah, that needs to go way higher than that." I mean, it was like as high as you could possibly tune a bass drum. Really? It sounded, it sounded like you were like smacking a Tupperware. I mean, it was just so strange. But for what he's doing, he wants that drum to sound more like an ethnic drum, kind of like okay. if you hit like a djembe in the center with a with a mallet or something. Sure. So it's not a it's not a bass drum. It's just a, a texture right so it was cool yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun i mean i kind of fawned over him a little bit the first time i hung out with him i was at the iridium to see um stanley jordan um he wasn't playing he was just hanging out so I was just sitting at the bar with him and i you know i fawned a little bit he was he was super Mm -hmm. gracious i just had this he knew i worked at the magazine like i have to tell you like i started playing drums because i saw you on mtv He's like, oh, that's really cool, man. And that's it. I'll never mention that ever again. But right, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was super cool. But yeah, oh, I mean, awesome, yeah, the man. festival was, was great. And the year prior to that, I think he played PASIC maybe. And okay. that was the solo that I was referencing where it was like I was just so overwhelmed with his art. Like, what is this? This isn't a drum solo. It's something else. This is a, yes. a serious artistic statement that no one else is doing.
0: No, and I mean, I felt like the drums were just the medium that he was able to convey his emotions through at that time, yeah, but like you said i I don't think if you if you moved him somewhere else to some random planet that had never heard of the drum set, I think he would find a way to get that out with whatever instruments they have, uh, so you can tell there's just so much trapped in him that he has to get out, and even when he speaks uh, i I've, I've watched a million interviews with him, it just seems like he's this vessel for art and he has to get it out at all times. Yeah. I also love that he has huge respect for the past. He's not just trying to be part of the future, but you know, he has a CD called celebrating Elvin Jones and yeah. um, that came out in August. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to hear him talking. You know, one thing that I heard, I was listening to the saxophone player, give an interview about it, about recording the album. And he says, if you want to know, how to play like Coltrane, you have to play with drummers like Elvin because it's the only way to get that sound is to compete with those guys. Mm-hmm. And it forces you into this physical style of playing your saxophone at times when when you have to battle with somebody like Elvin. And he was saying that he got that from, he didn't even notice that until he played with Will. And then it brought that out in his playing. He's like, oh, I understand. I understand Coltrane more now that I've played with Will Kennedy, who's emulating elvin jones in this moment which i thought was really cool will calhoun you mean not kennedy sorry sorry yeah well yeah. Will kennedy's pretty amazing too yeah. but will calhoun yeah. yeah and that's that that album is what
1: uh sparked us to put him on the cover of the november issue which i think is just coming out this week or next uh surprisingly he hasn't been on the cover since i mean i think like the second living color album Really? Yeah, it's kind of shocking wow. because he's, he's kind of been a part of the magazine forever. But, you know, we looked through the archives like, wow, we really haven't gone back to him in, in a long time. And Living Color has been active. I think they took a little hiatus, but, I mean, they're yeah. s- still active and they're still all over the place. So that's still kind of his main gig. But then what I love about Will is that if you're in a band like Living Color, you know, you could probably just go to the gig, hang out in the hotel, maybe go get some dinner and play, you know, whatever, play the show. But he makes a point that, like, when they're in Europe or South America or Africa or Asia, he goes out and explores the culture and, and tries yeah. to find some like native folkloric musicians and learn their drumming. Yeah, so he spends his days off like studying the music of Senegal or studying the music of Brazil, and I find that incredibly admirable. And you can hear it; his his drumming is is
0: not drum set playing; it's it's just it's rhythm. It's man even, even on the album, uh, which came out in 2013, it's a, it's a jazz album called Life in This World. It's not bebop. It's not, it's not just, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, I know this is jazz, and there's some jing-jing-a-ding going on, right. and there's the jazz instrumentation. I hear the upright player, the piano, right. the saxophonist. It's not, I don't know how to identify it, And which is back to the point that we talked about earlier about Benny having his own sound. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean if you're looking
1: it, to like like he, he has a record called Celebrating Elvin Jones. So if you're thinking, wow, maybe I'll learn more about Elvin Jones by listening to this record. No. I mean he's not yeah. he's not aping Elvin Jones. His drum totally. sounds don't sound like Elvin, his vocabulary doesn't sound like Elvin. He's he's conjuring up the emotion and the the overwhelming passion and energy of Elvin, but it sounds like Will Calhoun.
0: It I mean, totally it's, does.
1: It's, yep. It, it would be a it would be a mistake to think that that's him that record is him trying to like ape yeah. his heroes. No, he's right. always going to be himself. I don't think he could do anything but be himself.
0: Right. Which is pretty yeah, awesome. No. And that's, it's, it's a great thing to, to hear your favorite artist. If Will Calhoun is one of your favorite artists to hear him in the setting of Elvin Jones or whatever, but being himself. Yeah. And yeah, it was, you know, like it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I revisited one of my heroes cause Obviously, you and I grew up at the same time, listening to a uh, very similar music, and this was one of the most influential bands in my entire world. And uh, I, you know, I, I feel like when everyone talks about Rush and uh, Chick Korea and all that kind of stuff, I feel like I traded those out for Faith No More and Living Color. Those right. were the ones that I, I just missed out on. It you know, I, I got to Rush so much later. I was like in my twenties when I started really researching Rush. But when I was supposed to be doing it, I was listening to Will Calhoun and Mike Borden. You know? yeah. yeah. And you can hear it in my playing. I'd, when people are like, can you bring it down a little bit? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then they're like, yeah, that's, that's still pretty loud. I'm like, really? <laughs> Mike Borden breaks die-cast hoops. Like, <laughs> it's not that loud. Um, and so, you know, I, and now I'm the old man screaming, get off my lawn, kids. Keep your volume down. <laughs> but... uh <laughs> And I uh, – but anyways, I mean, Will Calhoun had a huge impact on my life. And what I love is – we've talked about this in the past too. I love when somebody is currently in their prime rather than like, oh, you got to check out 1989 Will Calhoun. It's yeah. like you can, but you need to know that that's a previous version of him and he is more evolved now than he was then. That yeah. wasn't his prime. He's in his prime. He's all. Like Weckl and Vinny, they're always in their prime. So um, pretty cool stuff. So yeah, you can go to just willcalhoun.com. That's W-I-L-L-C-A-L-H-O-U-N.com. You can check out all of his stuff there. And uh, you can also download his albums. If you go to iTunes, you can just type in Will Calhoun and all of his solo records will come up, including the new one that just came out in August called Celebrating Elvin Jones. Okay. So definitely check that out. All right, let's get into some candy gear review time crx stackers now i I do have a question real quick okay what so crx is part of trx or yeah yeah it's trx and crx are
1: are two i guess they're two separate companies but they're owned by by dave levine the same the same owner Uh, okay so trx are turkish symbols crx are chinese made symbols
0: Oh, so, so it's CRX. Turkish RX and Chinese RX. Exactly. But we don't know what RX is. Yeah, okay. CRX was actually a cool car in 1989. The Honda CRX. <laughs> yeah. That was like the desire of every person ever.
1: The CRX with a 15-inch woofer and some power amps in the back. That Dude, was it.
0: A couple fos <laughs> Fosgates. Good to go, man. De- detachable face stereo to take in the mall with, with a you. remote control and when they came out oh, <laughs> yeah because you can't reach forward to touch it <laughs> that is sad sad okay so what my question was actually <clears throat> that wasn't my question my question is what line are these stackers in because even crx has different lines well okay the stack pack which is what i reviewed in in a november issue
1: what david did was he went through all of the splashes and uh what do they call the ones with holes in it? Um, I think they call them stackers. So their, their stacker is is like a holy crash. It's got like one-inch okay, holes perfect. in it. So they've got yep. their you know, various. They've got extreme, which is one line. They've got classic, which is the one line. And they've got rock, I think. is Those are the yep. three main lines. So he went through the whole catalog of splashers, little chinas, and little stackers, and just put them in different combinations. Okay. So rather than you just randomly buying stuff and trying it out, he picked the ones he said, that he These thought fit. Yeah, they offered a, a cool sound and different sounds. Right. Um, but they're all Chinese made cymbals, which means they're super affordable.
0: Yeah, I saw they had a twenty one inch ride that was in one of their I guess it was in their classic line and which has that Turkish look to it and it was $192. Yeah. So it reminded me a lot of Dream. Yeah. So uh, where it's like, oh, there's a $400 symbol yeah. and then you look it up and you're like, or $180. That's yeah. amazing. And those are also made in China as well. Right. Yeah, so like the 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 cheapest price stack pack is 139.99 list price. Yeah, I was gonna say it's uh it's on sale for eighty bucks. That's the yeah. eight inch splash on a ten inch china, which I think is a so, great
1: idea because as soon as you start stacking stuff, you're making them more susceptible to breaking anyway. Right. So why put your high end, you know, two hundred dollar mini
0: china with a with a stacker on top and just crack and it isn't up? the point of your stacker to sound like crap? Yeah, and that's the whole the <laughs> yeah, whole point is yeah. it sounds like you cracked a symbol. So yeah, like noise. <laughs> So there's a whole yeah, bunch I mean, of them. They've got they've they've got um what was the one that I liked the best? Um I'll find it because I said I liked it the best. That 14-inch stacker on the 14-inch china looks like it'd be cool. Um and that that thing sells for 140 bucks. There's, there's 28 inches of metal.
1: There's one called the Low Trash, which I liked a lot, which has um a 12-inch whole holy china. No, a whole inch a 12 inch splash over a 14 inch China. <laughs>
0: a whole inch, 12 a whole
1: inch. inch. A 12 inch extreme <laughs> splash over a 14 inch classic China. So that would be a sort of a heavy, a heavy splash over a, a raw China. Okay. I like that the best because it was more like a, an X hat kind of a thing and and you have sounds of all these or of some of them i have sounds of all of them um i have no way to to discern to discern (laughs) um i mean i could yeah we're going to drop in just the whole the whole sample of the whole shebang the whole of everything so there'll be a sample of the small stuff in one chunk and then we'll do a break and it'll be a sample of the bigger stuff so the small stuff is eight to 12 inch packs and then that's 10 to 14 inch packs
0: nice um, well, I know – let's see. I don't have it. I'm in their shop right now where you can actually buy the stuff. Um, but it's just shoptrxsymbols.com. So you're actually able to get the CRX stuff from TRX's website. Right. But I know that on their – so I'm on the shop right now. But when I was on the website earlier, there were sounds of all these. So you can hear them individually. So we'll hear them on your kit, and then we can, uh, and then they can go to – trxsymbols.com to hear them yeah. at least let me just double check that that's the website i don't want to give out the wrong website um and also
1: the video demo that we'll have in the show notes i put captions for what what i'm playing so if you hear one nice. you like you'll you should be able to easily tell which it is
0: i think i might have lied i think it They might actually have their own website. They do. Okay, so it's crxsymbols.com. And then in the shop, it's both TRX and CRX. But uh, So if you want to hear these um, individually so you can kind of identify the ones that Mike's playing that you like, then you can go there and check out crxsymbols.com. Let's give them a listen.
1: Listener question time. This first one comes in from Alessandro. Uh, it's a question particularly to me. He um, says, why is Vinnie Cayuta your all-time favorite? What makes Vinnie Cayuta your all-time favorite drummer? Mm. Um, I think we probably could both answer that because it's probably true for both of us. I would I'll, I'll let
0: you answer and Then <laughs> I'll just go with a
1: resounding, yep, that's it. Uh, I think it's, it's the fact that you never know what the hell the guy's going to do. He doesn't, you know, like when you hear Weckle play, you know, it's going to be some some hand foot triplets. It's going to be some double stroke rolls. Vinnie can do pretty much. He'll throw in anything, unexpected stuff, a lot of stuff that, in the hand in the hands of any other drummer on earth, no disrespect to anybody else, it would right. sound silly and out of context. He right. can he can make five over four sound completely appropriate. Yeah, um, so, and I think so. It's just his absolute command of rhythm and subdivisions and time and
0: sound and taste complete package I think there's no flaw in vintage drumming yeah I think the best meme that I've ever seen on the internet is the one where he's in the most interesting man in the world's outfit and it says I don't always hit the one but when I do you'll realize how lost you really were (laughs) and that (laughs) kind of is the truth (laughs) like when he hits a big crash I'm like no that's not the one really I was way out of whack so uh It's uh, yeah, he's he's incredible, and and I gotta give it up for his sound. Um, yeah, Weckle as well. I feel like they've always had a nice solid battle of who has the best drum sounds, and that's obviously subjective. But uh, you and I have mentioned how his cross stick sounds like a sample, yeah, and it sounds like a sample in live, you know, live concerts, so it's not a sample. Um, but it's yeah, he's he's incredible. So I'm with you on that one, buddy. All right, next question comes from Scott, he says, um
1: why do so many people insist on stuffing their bass drums with anything from store-bought pads the blankets to packing foam or pillows? Um, he said a buddy from work helped him tune his drums. And um, basically, they, they both decided that you should have nothing inside the drum. And so he, he said his friend put it to him like this. You don't stuff your other drums with towels, so why would you stuff your bass drum? He's currently using a felt strip, and that's great. But it's empty inside. The felt strip is still muffling. Yes, Um, absolutely. So I I think this is, again, a a question of personal preference and taste. But I think you have, in most instances, you have to think of the bass drum as not a tom. It's not the same. You're not trying to get the same sound. Uh, The moment you start getting a pure pitch out of the bass drum, it's going to compete with the bass guitar. Yep. It's going to conflict. I mean, if you have your bass drum tuned to C and your song is in C sharp... There's going to be something just unsettling about the way that sounds because it's a half right. step away. So that's one thing, and and I think in in general you don't want your bass drum to take up so much sonic space unless you're playing Led Zeppelin or something that 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 the band's going to leave that much room. So
0: and even then you can't close mic it because then it's going to go pong Yeah, so exactly. you still have to mic away from the drum. But the thing that you said, people do when when you treat your bass drum as a tom, as an 18 inch tom. They do leave it wide open. Mm-hmm. I, I don't you know no jazz player has like a porthole and then like a pillow in there. Right. so uh, it's it's when you decide, okay, and I think it's almost like when we decide it's not a bass drum anymore now it's a kick drum. yeah, it has a role to fill, and it's actually to me, my kick drum is way more related to my snare drum. It is the opposite of my snare drum uh, it's it's the opposing force, so it's kick snare, yeah, kick snare and then my toms are this totally other instrument that i see as more of like yeah yeah, it's my melody device so kick and snare are my groove foundation and then toms are my melody but i don't see my kick as my biggest tom
1: yeah and i think a a bass drum with a bedroom
0: pillow stuffed in it sounds really really good in a lot of contexts yeah, I mean, I think the scary or the thing that sucks is when you when you know on your DW collector series that your bass drum was twenty six hundred dollars and you put a pillow in it so it sounds exactly like your you know yeah. your sunlight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you are like eh, I've spent a lot of money on this one. I'd like to hear the whole thing, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think, and as far as why people do so many weird things to their bass drum, I think that's part of our tinkering nature is to. Like, well, I know that Evans makes this pillow specifically designed for this, but maybe my sheet is better than their pillow. You yeah, know? And, and yeah. we have the freedom with that porthole. You just keep throwing different things in there. Yeah. Pretty much right now in my bass drum, I have every t-shirt that anyone's ever given me in double XL. Well, I'm like, <laughs> oh, thanks. And they're like, hey, this is from my company. And I'm like, what the, what am I going to towel off with this? What I the do the exact same thing. a <laughs> so like NAMM
1: giveaway shirt totally. is inside one of my bass drums.
0: That's it. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness, that's yeah. awesome. I mean show. I think
1: I mean I did probably about two years ago I had this this great idea of I'm gonna do a, a roundup and shootout of all the bass drum muffling devices that are available. Mm-hmm. So I you know I got everything in, I ordered everything in, I got all these companies that send stuff, took it to my studio, started swapping stuff out. They all sound exactly the same. Do they? So it's just a matter of what do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Do you want to use the The Evans thing that gives you a little bit of play, but or do you not want to have Velcro stuck to your shell, or do you like the way the Remo
0: thing looks, or or is a bedroom pillow figure eight thing? Yeah, it's kind of just
1: like just pick your option because they literally all do the exact same. I
0: can tell you this though, and and who is asking that question? This is Scott. So Scott, I can tell you this: if you start gigging a lot, you better have something in that kick, or your sound guy is going to be really upset. It's not. No matter what we like, microphones don't enjoy a wide open bass drum unless it is in a jazz setting. And in that case, you're probably not even going to mic the bass drum. But for the most part, you know, I, I told the story in last week's podcast. Ash said, yeah. "Yeah, I know my bass drum sounds worse than both of yours. Wait till we mic it. Yeah. I will crush you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, so definitely keep playing with it and just know. I, I I think of it like this: I give myself the option to outsmart the entire world, but I also admit that if the whole world is doing it one way, they might have tried it a few times before. <laughs> but I still reserve the right to be like, no, I think I've got this down. Let me buy this off-brand Chinese phone that's better than the iPhone. And then I'm like, Ugh, man, all right, fine, I'll go back yeah. to the iPhone. It I mean, just caught on fire. I think you
1: had the, 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 the best point was the bass drum and the snare drum are, are noisemakers. It's a low right. noisemaker and it's a high noisemaker. Yes the toms are what supply your your texture and your drama and stuff and your melodies in most cases, so if again, if, if, a, if a felt strip is working for you, and that is muffling and, and I, I tested felt strips along with pillows and everything else, and they, it was not a hugely discernible difference between a bedroom pillow and a felt and two felt strips. It really yeah. wasn't.
0: I think the pillow would just help for the microphone to break up the reflections of the shell. Right. But I think for you as the drummer, it would be very similar. Yeah. So next
1: uh, question so. comes from Mark. Uh, this is another one he's asking me directly because I mentioned uh, acrylic kit and basically how the shell was kind of transparent, like figuratively and literally mm-hmm. toneless. So he wanted to know Marcus. what what heads have I settled on. Um I I settled on a lot of guys use the CS black dots, right? I, I don't like them on toms. I think they sound boinky and it, it just doesn't work for me. I like clear emperors or any clear two ply head. So that's that's my choice. I don't use coated because it's an acrylic kit and it would. I just want to keep everything clear. So just two ply emperors seem to sound really nice on my old Vista lights. Coming from Paul. Um, it's simple question. Once you've put a new head on a snare, if you take it off, can you reuse it again?
0: Yes. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think as long as
1: you haven't played it to the point where it starts to pit or or the collar is so, so misshapen. I've done it all. What I do actually, my cycle is if I put a fresh head on a drum, that drum becomes a studio drum. And then once that head starts to break in a little bit, I'll put it on a drum that I'll use for live. That's kind of the process, because I don't, I don't want to nice. take a fresh head on a gig where I'm no. humbling the snare drum for an hour straight.
0: And it's just constantly loosening every song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what yeah, I do. The, the drum is a studio drum with a
1: fresh head, and then once that head gets kind of worn in, I'll, I'll either use that drum on a gig or I'll take the head off and put it on one of the other drums I use for gigs. Yeah,
0: yeah you can definitely do that.
1: All right, last one. This is from Alan. So he is going into the studio next week. So this is time-sensitive. Time-sensitive, and he wants to know if we have any tips or tricks for him to have a successful experience.
0: Oh, man. Is a That's tough. a great question. Um, definitely, if you can, mentally put yourself into that position in every single rehearsal that you have by yourself from now on. Think of the producer. R- play to a click track. Play the song Don't rely on the fact—I've made this mistake, and I'm sure you have too—but don't rely on the fact that you're going to get to hear your whole band when you track the song. Uh, I've definitely had the thing where they said, well, why don't we just do it with just a scratch track of guitar? And I'm like, oh— I'm quite reliant on those vocals. Mm-hmm. Sure, you don't want to have, him? and they're like, ah, he doesn't even need to come here. I'm like, oh crap! I, I definitely wasn't prepared for that. Yep. Uh, so I realized I actually didn't even know my own songs. This, is, and I'm talking not a session gig. This is like the band I was in. Yep. So, um, but I, I think just mentally putting yourself in that mode, playing to a click, and really, really envisioning somebody sitting on the other side of the glass that's watching you. Uh, that mental preparation will do wonders for you, you know? yeah, and know your parts man um really if there 's if there 's room for improvisation that 's great, but if there isn 't, then know your parts and make sure you really, really have things down yeah, that was one of uh like i think
1: Benny Greb's last d v d the art and science of groove mm-hmm. which I think that d v d is like the ultimate um, ego destroyer, yeah. <laughs> which is probably you know causing uh, it, not as much sales as his first DVD because it's really hard to kind of look at yourself in the mirror and say, my time sucks. My subdivision sucks. My sound right. sucks.
0: And there's then, no candy in that, in that video. Yeah. That's and that's the reality. And, of and it's the
1: last section where he basically says, can you sit down at your kit, play through one of your band songs by yourself, start to finish with no mess ups. Can you play the song? Do you know the song so well that you can play it fa- flawlessly By yourself with nothing to hinge it on. I mean, that and that's he was referring to even on gigs. If you're playing in a cover band, you know, the song so well that you free up all that mental space to then handle whatever challenges are going to be coming at you. And if this is your first studio experience, it's going to feel really strange. So you don't want to be thinking about is this first eight bars or six bars? You just have to know it, so then you can then you can focus on other stuff that is going to throw you off. It, it just it just will. So some some advice to kind of make it more comfortable. If you have a set of closed back uh, headphones or in ear monitors that you're used to at home, take them with you. Bring them absolutely. I mean, you might end up using what the studio has, but just bring them. Um, try to get your drums pretty well tuned up before you go in. I don't necessarily suggest swapping out all the heads. I was, I was just kinda, about to say,
0: don't go in with fresh heads. <laughs> yeah,
1: keep them where they're at now, unless they're just yeah. completely janked up, and you should probably change them today so you'll be ready yes. by next week. Agreed. Um, yeah, So take your own throne. Take whatever you need to do to make sure that you're comfortable. I think the the headphones and in ears is is really crucial. Um, and then when you get in there, don't be afraid to ask for you know if something's not right in your headphones. Don't be afraid to say, hey, can we can we make that better? Because you have yeah. to be able to hear
0: everything and be comfortable before you can play comfortably uh, and be ready too for the fact that the producer is an artist in his own right so he might have he or she might have a way of doing things and you don't really have say in it. i mean I, i've definitely been in the situation and i know you have because we've talked about it where they just say uh well we use this slingerland," yeah you know and i'm like oh yep. okay <laughs> yeah. and i'm like it's not even in my sizes and he's like that's <laughs> the only kid i record deal with it and you're like holy crap is this is what it's like to be a session drummer. This is crazy. <laughs> I brought my drums, yep. my shiny, my shiny drums, and on, along the so, same
1: lines, take a lot of tape, take a lot, take a lot of moon yes. gel, take extra tuning keys, take whatever. If you have a tune bot, take yeah. a drum dial. Whatever you have, be prepared to, to have to adjust your drum sound. <laughs> Possibly in extreme, I'm scaring ways. the hell out
0: of him. Sorry, Alan. It's going to be fun. It will, You're it have a will blast. be fun.
1: But to get the best results, I mean, this is why Matt Chamberlain and these guys are yes. in ash or are, are the session guys because they're adaptable and they don't crack when someone says that snare drum doesn't sound good. They're, they don't get their ego busted. Like, well, what do you mean? It's a two thousand dollar bell brass. No, just get another drum. Just. Yeah. Do, just change it just fix it do you have one of those $120 acrolytes? I <laughs> yeah. love those <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah I have one so you, have know, <laughs> d- you know I think your advice kind of meditate on it envision yourself having a successful experience no one is there to deflate you um, but then just be as prepared as possible and just
0: know that it's not going to be 100% comfortable it's just not yes no And and that's what separates those guys you mentioned is they actually thrive in that environment right they they hear a click with headphones and they just get relaxed and I'm like oh man that's incredible Shannon Forrest yep. you know and and I think you're, you're on that path, man. I know that you really love doing that stuff, so it's cool. Alan, have a blast, buddy, and keep us posted on how it all goes. Alright, it is now time for Pick of the Week. By the way, guys, please keep sending in your questions. We love getting to your questions. We'll be playing a bunch of audio questions next week as well, so please feel free to send those in, too. Pick of the Week this time, brought to you by Nobody, because we, as you notice, don't have sponsors, and we don't do commercials. Not Dude, saying that we won't in the future someday, but what's up? I forgot, we get one?
1: I forgot to make our special announcement that we're going to have our first actual giveaway. Away. Oh yeah, yeah. So what we decide to do is to give away a a free subscription to the magazine, a modern drummer stick bag with has the the old new school modern drummer logo on it, and we're going to stuff it full of some sticks. Get to be cool. Determined. So the stipulation next week on the show, there's going to be a word of the day that neither Mike or I are going to determine ahead of time. Just going to be at some point in the show, we're going to be like, that's the word of the day. We're going to identify it. So then you have to jot down that word, email it over to mdinfo at modernjomber.com, and that'll put you
0: in the pool for a random giveaway. Okay, I am emailing Chad Brandolini at Vader right now. (laughs) So we will fill that with a full brick, 12 pairs of Mike Johnston's signature sticks, which is right in between a 5A and a 5B And uh, now that I've said Chad's name on this podcast, he has no choice. (laughs) Now, I might actually have to pay for these, (laughs) but uh, I don't think I will. So I think, yeah, let's fill it up with some Vader sticks. And uh, we should be all good. Stick giveaway. Make happen, please. Awesome. All right. So uh, my pick of the week this time is something a little unusual because I don't own it yet. But I am ordering uh, a pair today. And uh, one of our... Long-time listeners and uh, multiple-time campers. Tyler Lesperance actually had these, and he's a techie guy. He works in the tech field. Uh, I think he's now working there, so I'm not letting anything out of the box, but he now works at Dropbox, so he's very up on the tech stuff, and he said, have you checked out Braggy? They make the uh, this thing called The Dash, and they are wireless earbuds. And, and this came out because when he was here at camp – we watched the uh, iPhone 7 announcement, and they had their new wireless earbuds, right? right? And he was kind of laughing at them. I was thinking, those are dope. And he was like, uh, you should see what I have. And I was like, well, what do you have? And he brings out these things. Uh, so like I said, they're called The Dash by Braggy. They were one of those companies that did the Kickstarter and ended up getting $3 million on Kickstarter. And wow. this thing exploded because of how amazing this product is. So it's it, they're $299, and they're wireless earbuds. That's To me, that's insane. $300 for wireless earbuds. I I would assume the Apple ones are going to be like $75, somewhere around there. Well, inside of these wireless earbuds, there's trackers for your step count. There's a timer. There's a heart rate monitor. There's a distance monitor. But what I think separates them more than anything, and you can control everything by touching them. So you can just kind of move your finger across one of these earbuds and they fit in really well they don't stick out anywhere near as much as the iphone ones but you can just move your phone up the side of it and that changes the volume and you move your phone down the side of it you can also control them with the motion of your head they have sensors in them so if you want to answer the phone you just nod your head yes if you don't want to answer the phone you nod your head no that's freaky Um, and this is what separates them to me They are four gigs worth of internal storage. So you don't need to use them as Bluetooth devices and hook them up to your phone. You can have four gigs of music and podcasts in the actual earbuds. Uh, The charging, I think, lasts about four to six hours, but they come with a a case that has five charges for every charge. So you put them back in their case, and they get charged up five times in a row before you have to charge that case again. This almost sounds uh, like too good to be true. And I – If I wouldn't have even considered it if Tyler didn't put them on in front of me, show me the entire demo, and I was like, okay, that's kind of badass. And then I looked at what Motorola – can I say badass? I can say badass, right? Yeah, that's not not a curse word. Okay. I can't say like effing badass. (laughs) You're like, oh, man, i got to cut that out. Um, Sorry. I'm so sorry, bro. I know I make this podcast hell for you when you have to edit it. Okay, so anyways – yeah, they. the other thing that I like about them is they are, I guess, they are controlled by software updates. So some people in the beginning were saying, yeah, if you get your phone too far away from them, the Bluetooth cuts out a little bit. Well, they in, they made that better for the people that already own them through a software update and they've changed. They're improving these things all the time. So like I said, I think it's pretty expensive. It's $300 for a pair. They do make ones that don't have half of these features that are just earphones for $99 or something close to that. And those are just Bluetooth earphones, but these ones have the internal storage. You can swim with them. You can, and they, they lock in pretty good. When I saw those Apple ones, I don't know about you, but I was like, there's no way those are staying in my ear. Yeah. You want me to run with those? Yeah, that's, I mean, it just looks silly. It looks like you got cute,
1: half Q tips poking out of your yeah, ears. Yeah,
0: it just looks weird. And these are more like in ear monitors almost without any chords. So I'm going to order mine today and I will give them a full review next time. Cool. My pick is something that is not going in your ears in that way. It
1: goes in your ears by sound waves. It is uh, the, there's a, I saw Martin Dosh, who is a, a great drummer that I think is a little bit unknown, who, he does a lot of solo performances where he takes like a a, a piano and keyboards and and drums on stage and he has loop pedals and he kind of does one man show stuff but it's it's kind of atmospheric and groovy and, and it's really super cool stuff okay. um, that's just a side note is martin Dosh definitely check him out he's got some really great records of his own it's kind of like a in the vein of like a, a radiohead or something like that okay but it's all one person. But he posted a video on his Facebook page that was like, ah, this is, this is where he got all of his stuff. It is a Herbie Hancock track called Nobu, off the record dedication. It's from 1974. And it's Herbie Hancock on stage with synthesizers and creating a seven and a half minute track all by himself. Really? And he creates, he uses um, like arpeggiators on one of his synthesizers to create like a rhythm track and then he just improvises over top of it. It sounds so much like what everybody is doing right now. Really? It is like modern jazz, but 1974. And oh, man. I haven't done it yet because I just saw the track this morning, but it, it's great for, it will be great for play-along practice because he has this, this rhythmic loop that just goes and goes and goes, but there's no kind of definitive one or phrase. So you can kind of just put that on and just use it as like a, a cool metronome
0: nobu like n-o-b-u
1: correct no oh wow
0: there he is he's got like full afro and everything yeah man i mean it's like if you're into
1: what benny and mark and all these guys are doing now with their bands a lot of it's coming from this era herbie hancock stuff
0: wow man super i hip. can't wait to check this out yeah yeah um i'm, I'm looking at it right now and uh oh I just clicked it to like a minute in and yes, yeah. Yeah. I I heard two seconds of it. I was like, yes, I'm in, I'm in.
1: It's the shiz.
0: (laughs) So Okay, so we can leave that. We can leave my other thing. (laughs) Everyone, have an amazing week. Check out Nobu, Herbie Hancock. Uh, It was easy to find on iTunes. Uh, I will give you guys, let me waste my money on these braggies. Let me fight with my wife over the wasted money. And I will give you guys a full review on them next week. I'm going to order the – they have them in black and white. I'm going to order the black ones right now. Wait. And I will let you guys know how they go. And I am I was talking to Mike before the podcast started. But, uh, guys, I was thinking it's a lot of technology to put that close to my brain and then to trust that I can go swimming with it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I'll, <laughs> either I'll be here or I won't. Uh, it might be the Modern Journal Podcast with Mike. And, and that's it. <laughs> and nobody else just mr dawson all right everybody have a fantastic week we will see you guys next time have a good one